Hallelujah. Let's give God some praise here today. Has anybody got victory in Jesus here tonight? Let's give him great praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, let's take a few moments and give him praise. Hallelujah. I want to remind somebody the devil's still defeated. Hallelujah. He hadn't got back up yet. God's still victorious. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody give him praise. Paul wrote, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. Somebody ought to give God praise and just let the devil know you're under my feet. You're under my feet. You're under my feet. Hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise all across this building. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord here today, to be in the presence of God with God's people. Amen. I'm excited. Amen. As we're going to be going through the word of the Lord. Amen. And uh, why don't you just turn around, shake somebody's hand, and tell them I'm so glad to see you in church here today. Amen. And God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. This is a little different for me as a preacher. I'm used to reading a text and telling you you can sit down. But uh, when I'm teaching one-on-one with Bible studies, it just makes perfect sense. Uh, but if you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to be uh, opening up to Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1. If you need help, there's a concordance in the front of your Bible. And it'll tell you what page number it's on. But I've got a secret for you. It's on page number 1. Unless they count all the other pages of the uh, table of contents. In fact, this is the very first verse in the entire Bible. Amen. Genesis chapter 1. One, amen. Let me turn this on. There we go. We'll get this. Praise God. Brother, it's giving me troubles again. Somebody help me out here. There we go. Okay, there we go. That's right about where we are. <laughs> Praise God. All right. Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1. And as you're, as you're turning that direction, because it's going to take a long time for you to find out where it's at. Um. And I uh, want to kind of recap, last week we talked about the Bible uh, as a whole and how it is not just a religious text, but it is the Word of God. And uh, we're thankful for the Word of God. The Word of God is something that the Bible says that we know by faith that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Everything we're about to learn about uh, in Genesis, especially the first couple chapters, it talks about how it was God's Word that spoke and shaped everything into existence. And as you and I study the Word of God, you had better believe that the Word of God is going to start to shape the way that you and I think, the way that you and I act. The Word of God is going to take over and uh, really mold us and shape us into what He wants us to be. And that is divine design. Amen. that's exactly what we want to have happen. We want Jesus to take His Word and to apply it to our lives. And so Bible study is not just... Uh, an exercise in futility. We're not just up here today because we got nothing better to do. We're up here teaching the Word of God because people that are founded upon His Word, founded upon the Word of God, are going to grow and become. And people that grow and become uh, help the church grow and become. And so we want to see people saved, but we also want to help people become Christians. Amen. So Genesis chapter 1, at verse 1. We're going to take our time as we go through this. Now, technically, search for truth, if you've seen it at all, um, that you can do it in 12 lessons. I have yet to meet anybody that can do it in 12 lessons and keep the attention of the people. Uh, and so each, each lesson is about that thick. So uh, we're going to take our time as we go through this. Also, I wanted to make mention that we have uh, a box in the foyer that is for questions. So after each Bible study or even... On Sunday, if you think of a question throughout the week, you go back and look at it. Go ahead and write your question down and uh, 
please pertain to the Bible study. Uh, and I know some folks that just want to ask random questions. I'll, I'll be reading through them, and I would like to answer some of those questions after it. Now, normally in a Bible study, I'd be one-on-one -on -one or one with a small group. We are trying to make this as modular as we can, and uh, unfortunately, we can't uh, ask questions and answers for everybody. But if you write down those questions, you can get them answered. And everybody said amen. All right, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Where did God come from? What does God look like? The truth is we have no answers. Welcome to the arena of faith. We know nothing before faith. Everything that we know comes by faith in his word. Amen. He is God, and he's the one that has chosen his word to reveal what he wants revealed and to not reveal. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 1. Amen. You could turn there, but if you have your notepad, you could just write notes. And I also want to make mention, if you need any of these notes, I've got the entire lessons um, that you can have the whole thing and the chart digitally, but also each week I am taking so you can get exactly what I said and I'm breaking them down into parts. So if you want that, you come see me after service because I would eventually love for everybody to teach this to somebody. And uh, you'd be shocked by the amazing conversations about God that you would have with somebody. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the Bible says, faith, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Everything that we have, we have by faith. Skipping down to verse number 6, the Bible says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, because he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So here we are. We're now in the arena of faith. Everything that we study in the Word of God from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 on, welcome to the arena of faith. Uh, some people would say, well, I, I don't know if I believe in God. Well, I don't know how much of a conversation we're going to be able to have. We can discuss the Bible, but at the end of the day, we have to start with faith. And uh, somebody said, well, how do you convert an atheist? You don't. You don't convert an atheist. What you do is you love them, you pray for them, you work with them, and if they want to learn, you teach them. But eventually, there has to be a connection of faith because the Bible says without faith, it is impossible. Everybody say impossible. Impossible to please God. Everyone that comes to God must start at this level. You must believe that he is. It's as simple as that. I believe that he is. Now, here's the beautiful thing about this verse. You must also believe that he will reward you for seeking him. Amen. I want to tell you that you're in Bible study tonight, and you're going to get a reward from God for being in Bible study tonight. Because as we seek him, he will reward us. And so we start off with faith in everything that we have. The, every day we live in the arena of faith. We just believe God, and we follow him. That's difficult, especially in our world that is that has turned away from God and turned away from the word of God. But we must walk and operate by faith. And everything in our Bible study, we're going to have to look at it through the lens of faith. Amen. The Bible is called the Word of God. It begins with God, and at the very end, it ends with God. It's all of the contents that we'll learn in the Bible are talking about Him. As we talk about uh, Revelations when we eventually get there. In Revelations, people think it's about the apocalypse. They think it's about the end times. They think about uh, the mark of the beast and all of uh, false governments and everything like that. But I want to help you here today. If you really want to know what the book of Revelation is about, read the first couple words. The revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not about false systems and false beasts and uh, no currency. Amen. We'll get in there. We'll talk about prophecy. But I want to remind somebody, the Bible begins with God and it ends with God. And everything we learn is about God. Amen. So God is, amen, uh, as we can, if we can get it to turn there, but I'm going to have you just click down to one more because I don't know if this button's working. Praise God. Amen. God is. Appropriately, the Bible is called God's book or the word of God. It begins and ends with God. All of its concerns are of him. Any attempt to describe him with ordinary or common terms is futile. It's pointless. 
There's no word that you can use to define God. The longest, most descriptive words in our dictionary could never depict God's wonder and his majesty. God simply cannot be described with words from any language. However, the Bible does offer insight that helps us to comprehend what God is like. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about, in the beginning, God. And we're going to talk about some attributes. First and foremost, amen, the very first verse lets us know that God is a creator. Amen, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. With no ex existing material or substance, God created and brings into being the things that are not. The Bible says that God speaks the things that are not as though they were. Let me help you understand that. God is a creative God. The first revelation you get in the Bible about God is he's a creator. There's so many people that they come to God and, and, and they don't come the way Hebrews 11:6 says. They come to God and they think that God is going to destroy them or God's going to hurt them. But the Hebrews 11:6, if we come to God with faith, we know that he is going to reward us. And Genesis 1, verse 1, reminds us that God showed up to create. Everything God does in your life is created. The Bible talks about, we'll talk about it here a little bit, the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Everything the devil does in your life is destructive, but everything God does in your life is creative. Amen. God is creative. Bible, amen. Hebrews 13, 11, he's eternal. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Revelations 1 and 8, Jesus speaking said, I am Alpha and Omega, the first letter of the alphabet and the last letter of the alphabet. The beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Amen. Creation is God's first recorded act, but this did not mark God's beginning. God existed long before that. God is eternal. God endures forever. He is not a here today, gone tomorrow type of God or type of religious deity. God has neither beginning nor ending. God has always existed. Another way to, word to describe eternal is the word infinite without limitations of time or of space. Let me just help us really understand what eternal means because we're finite creatures. There was never a time and there will never be a time where God does not exist. Amen. So faith teaches us that we must come to God and we must believe that he is. First thing you revealed to Abraham is I am that I am. He was letting him know I am self-existent. I didn't need anybody else. The difference between the God of the Bible and other religions and, uh, is that their gods are made by hands, and human hands. Their gods were invented by the mind of man. Amen. I want to tell you here today, the God of the Bible created us with his hands. He did not need us, the book of Acts says. Amen. He formed us. We did not form him. He came up with us. We did not come up with him. God is eternal. Not only is God eternal, God is living. God is real. God is is alive. He is not an idea, a concept, or a figment of our imagination. He is real. In Daniel chapter 6, it says he is the living God and steadfast forever. I want to help you here today that you can have a personal relationship with God. If we come to church for, whether it's your first time here or you've been coming for the last 7,000 years, and you come and you miss out on the revelation that God is living, that God is real, you will miss out on the fact that God wants to have a personal relationship with you. When you and I pray, amen, if we have the revelation that he's a living God, that he's real, we know that he's hearing everything we pray. We know that God is in this room. As I am teaching you today from his word, God's spirit is moving right now. That means this is why while Peter preached the word of God, people received the Holy Ghost. This is why while I am teaching this word, you can be healed in your body. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost. Not because I'm teaching, but because God's alive. And God is moving. And God is real. Amen. Being alive, God has all the characteristics of being a living being. He can see and he can hear. He thinks and he remembers. He is generously interactive and good to all of his creation. God is real. 
and God is alive. Everybody say omnipresent. These are my favorite words right here. Omnipresent. Omni means all. So omnipresent means he is all present. This is saying God is everywhere present at the same time. He is far and he is near. He is everywhere at once and not diminished or spread thin. Amen. I want to tell you, God is in this room right now and he's out in Bangladesh. But he's no less God in Bangladesh as he is in this room. God's presence is everywhere. Now, we'll get in this another time. Amen. We could talk about the glory of the Lord. Amen. Showing up in certain places. Amen. This is where God, amen, although he's God everywhere and he's existent everywhere, there's times where God will manifest his spirit in a certain way. This is why uh, people, well, I'll just, I'll just worship the Lord from home. I want to tell you, you might be able to get something from home, but there's something about when people gather together and they worship the Lord, there's something you're only going to get from certain places. The Shekinah glory of God in the Old Testament didn't fall everywhere. It fell, on, it fell on the tabernacle. It fell in the temple. Amen. Now, you can have a prayer meeting at your home, and God, being omnipresent, he can be in your home during that prayer meeting, and he can be on the bar stool with the person that is drinking. Amen. But that doesn't mean that God spread thin. But in your prayer meeting, God can be operating and working in a way he is not working for the person on the bar stool because that person's not asking for him. Amen. So God is omnipresent. Psalms chapter 139, 7 through 11, you write this down. David expressed this fact so beautifully. He basically said there is no place anywhere in the universe where God is not present. If David, David, he said, if I could take the wings of the morning and fly faster than any bird and get all the way to the nighttime, you would already be there. Amen. If I were to go to the highest part of heaven, you would already be there. If I were to make my bed in the lowest place of hell, he said, you're already there. Amen. I want to tell you, God is both here and there at the same time. That ought to give some people some faith. God is already where you are headed before you even get there. God is... I didn't come to preach. It's Bible study, but let me help you. Some people are so worried about where they're going, but God is already there. And God is already ever on the steps of the journey that you're going to take. This is why he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God will never leave you nor forsake you because it's impossible. Where would he go? Where would he go? He's omnipresent. Everybody say omnipotent. Omnipotent means God has all power at his command. He is the almighty. He is the ruler of all. We as humans have many limitations, but God does not have one limitation. Having all power, God has the ability to do all things without limitations. Matthew 19 and 26, Jesus said, With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Amen. I, I want us to understand God because if we're not careful, we will make God in our image. Because we have limitations, we will put limitations on God. Because we can't do it, we start to think God can't do it. But I want to tell you, God has all power. Not just some, not just a little. He has all power. Amen. This is why Jesus said all power is given unto me both in heaven and in earth. If Jesus has all power, amen, what power does anything else have? Well, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to make it through. I want to tell you, God has all power. You can trust in him. You can have faith in him. Everybody say omniscient. Omniscient means all-knowing. Nothing is hid from him. He sees and hears everything, being omniscient. Not only does he see and hear all things and know all things, he is the source and the origin of all knowledge and wisdom. Amen. Job 34 and 21 says, His eyes are upon the ways of man. He sees all of his goings. Psalms 139 and 4 for there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. He's all-knowing. For those that think they, they, they got a fast one over on God, well, nobody saw it. God saw it, both good and bad. Nobody noticed. Well, God noticed, both good and bad. Amen. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing, but also he is a source of all knowledge and wisdom. This is why the Bible says he gives wisdom if you ask for it, and he does not upbraid, which means he does not withhold it from you. If you need wisdom in your life, 
The greatest source of wisdom is not the college campus. It is not another book. Now, I'm not against all that stuff. I think you ought to read and you ought to learn. Uh, but I want to tell you, the greatest source of knowledge is to go to God. And God, God will take somebody with a low IQ, with low test scores, and if they will get a hold of God, God will share some of that information with them. God will make a wise person out of them. God will make a knowledgeable person out of them. Amen. God is omniscient, and if we can get filled with the Holy Ghost, amen, God will help us in that area as well. Amen. God is a spirit. The Bible clearly states that God is a spirit. John 4, 24 says God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. What is a spirit? That's like asking, what is the wind? We know the wind, wind fills the sails and drives the boat, but we can't see it. There's a story of a boy once uh, whose kite soared so far out of his sight, and when he asked how do you know the kite is still up there? He answered, because I can feel the tugging on the string from the wind. I want to help you here today. Like the wind, God's spirit is invisible, but it is powerful. Our Bible emphatically states that God can be, cannot be seen with human eyes. Although no man has seen God and lived, every man, woman, and child can feel the pull of the divine spirit and know that God is alive. And know that God's spirit is moving. Well, how do you know God's there? Because I feel him. Because I feel him. Amen. Everybody say one. Now, well, there's a whole lesson on this we'll get into. God is one. Numerically, one. In essence, one. In personhood, one. The Bible doesn't use terms like persons. The Bible says of Jesus, he is the express image of his person. John 10, 30, he said, I and my father are one. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and it would be sufficient. He said, Philip, have you been with me so long time and you don't know me? He that has seen me has seen the father. How then do you say, show us the father? Deuteronomy 6, 4, Jesus was asked in Mark chapter 12, verse 29, they said, Lord, what is the greatest of all the commandments? And Jesus answered and said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He was quoting Deuteronomy 6, 4. Amen. The first commandment in the Bible is not, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. The first commandment in the Bible is that God is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I know so many people that they think that's just a good verse. That's a commandment. It is a commandment that God is one. And part of that commandment of God being one comes with it the responsibility on you and I that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our might. When we have a revelation that there's one God, that means we are to have no other gods before him, no other gods next to him, no other gods, amen, outside of him. He is God all by himself, and he is worthy of all of our worship. God is one. Amen. And this is going to help some folks as you study the Bible. You have to be taught something from some uh, person that's, that claims to be a theologian to believe anything else than God is one simply by reading the Bible. The, the, the only way that people get messed up and twisted up is because religion has twisted it up. False religion, can I put it that way, has twisted it up. Because if you just read your Bible, the Bible starts off with in the beginning God, not God's. In fact, we'll talk about it later when we get to uh, talking about the, the, the devil in, in the form of a serpent deceiving Eve. And he is the first one to bring up the concept of polytheism, which is multiple gods. He says that if you eat it, God knows that you'll be like gods, plural. The idea and the concept of multiple gods is not only illogical, anti-biblical, uh, it's not only heretical, uh, but it's also a demonic device and doctrine. Amen. So whenever somebody tries to tell you there's more than one God, you just remind them that's not what the Bible teaches. Amen. We'll talk about all of that another time. But when we know that God is one, we know that God is our Father. This one God is our Father. Perhaps the best description of God is that He is a loving Father. He's not your Father. Earthly Father, I mean. He's not my earthly Father. He's our Heavenly Father. He enjoys doing things for his creation. Matthew 7, 11, Jesus spoke. He said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask? 
Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through 16 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are now the children of God. God is our Father. And this is so important for us to, as we go through the Bible, these are not all the attributes of God. These are just some of the attributes of God. But it's so important that we look at God properly as we read the Bible because we don't want anybody to picture God as an austere judge peering down, waiting for some excuse to pounce on men and women with severe punishment. God is your father. He is a loving, warm God. He is compassionate. He is a caring father who delights in giving us good gifts. Amen. If you come to God with the idea that if I come to God, he'll beat me and he'll abuse me. Instead of the Hebrews 11, if I come to God and to seek him, he will diligently, if I seek him that way, he will reward me. And he's my father and he loves me. If we come to God any other lens than that, we've come to the wrong, uh, in the wrong angle. We must believe he's our loving father. Amen. This is why uh, when we get the right concept of God, even when you fall, religion will teach you this. When you mess up, it says, oh, no, I messed up. Let me hide from my father. But relationship and the word of God will teach you, oh, my goodness, I failed and I messed up. Let me go talk to my father. There's a big difference. It's relational. Amen. Which really, when we talk about God being our father, that is one of the biggest keys. It's a relationship. God wants a relationship with you and I. And everybody said amen. We'll go down to the next chart. There we go. Ah, it's working now. Praise God. Amen. Since God is eternal... At one time, he alone existed all by himself. But we can only speculate how long he was alone or what occurred in eternity past. The Bible does imply that before creation of man, there were and there are angels. The first and the highest order of created beings was the angelic host. God planned for angels to worship and to praise him. In Revelations, John described the wondrous beauty of angels offering their praise and their worship to God. John in, in Revelations 5 and 11 says, I beheld and I heard a voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands. That's a lot of angels. Amen. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Angels will always fulfill the role of God's servants, yet they serve believers only at God's bidding. Amen. They minister to the heirs of salvation. While we have no authority to command angels, when we ask God for help, he will direct them to assist us. This is important. A little notation in the Bible study because there's a lot of people that get all spiritual when it comes to angels. Amen. People get weird when it comes to angels. You got to take what the Bible says about angels. Amen. They got little baby angels fly, flying around their bathroom. Praise God. Uh, that's not that's not biblical angels. Amen. And some people think, well, I got I got angels that are they're just all around me. Well, maybe in at times. Amen. And the Bible does talk about He'll give His angels charge over you. Uh, they will camp round about you, but uh, but they are at God's bidding, not yours and not mine. Angels, they are servants. They are there to aid, to protect, and to proclaim God's message on earth. Angels come and minister, and then they disappear. They were present at the beginning of the world. They will be present at the end of time to assist in the executing of judgment. Throughout the scripture, God commissioned his angels to perform special assignments on earth. They were directed to administer aid in a crisis, to provide protection from danger, or to bear God's own message. Amen. If you think about it, it was an angelic host which announced Christ's birth to the shepherds on the Bethlehem hillsides. Amen. Now let's talk about, uh, presumably, the most famous angel, the fallen angel, Lucifer, the son of the Mormon. We presume that all angels were created holy and perfect in their way. While the Bible does not describe Satan's origin, we are certain that he was created by God because God's all-powerful, God's omniscient, God does all. It's all in God. So we can safely say 
that even the fallen angels are nothing more than God's servants to do God's bidding. Apparently, various ranks and orders existed in the heavenly host. The angel Gabriel was called the mighty one. The angel Michael was described as one who is like God. Lucifer was called the son of the morning. Lucifer, the most exalted of all the angels, occupied a place of prominence, second only to God himself. Amen. He was the delight of the Lord. No other angel was more beautiful, wise, or important. We take this from Ezekiel chapter 28. We're trying to piece together how this all came to be. Uh, we, we just are piecing as best we can. Lucifer was free to act as he wished. God favored Lucifer with precious gifts and talents. Lucifer coveted those blessings and allowed pride to corrupt his heart. Amen. In Ezekiel 28 and 15, amen, speaking, this is where we get a lot of this. Thou wast perfect in all thy ways from the day that you were created until iniquity was found in you. There was a war in heaven. Iniquity simply meaning sin. Lucifer was perfect until he sinned. Lucifer was the first sinner. Let me just pause here for a moment. For the devil that beats you up every time you fail and every time you fall, amen, the devil sinned when there was no devil to tempt him. You ought to let all of hell know that I messed up, but you tempted me into it. Yes, I made the decision. Yes, it's my fault. But you fell when there was no devil. You, you chose to walk away from God when there was no other option. Amen. So, amen, Lucifer was the first sinner. He was full of rebellion and pride. He sought to dethrone the Creator. All of this, again, playing into God's perfect plan for you and I. He was positioned second to the great God, and he commanded great forces. Using his leadership, he easily involved other angels in the rebellion. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7 says, And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Lucifer's rebellion cost him his position and banished him from approaching God's throne. All the rebels were moved to a new place called, amen, earth, amen, called, amen, called hell. Hell was created for the devil and for his angels. Eventually, this evil host will dwell there throughout all eternity. In the meantime, they are here on earth. Their one purpose is to deceive, to divert, and to hinder the plan of God. So here we got it. Let's, this, why are we saying this before we get to the Bible study? Because you've got to understand there's a spiritual element to the Bible. We're going we're gonna to go through some literal things, what God literally did. But there is also a spiritual element. We've got God Almighty, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. He, he's got all power in his hand. He knows all things. And God creates. And as he creates, there is an angelic realm. And these angels are ministering spirits. And in the midst of that, you have a war in heaven between Lucifer and his angels and God's angels. And they are cast down. And now we're going to see the stage set for the temptation of Adam and Eve and for you and I. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, this is why this verse is so prevalent to us and so important. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Turn to your neighbor, if it's your spouse, say, you're not my enemy. All right, turn to your other neighbor, just let them know, you're not my enemy. Look at the pastor and say, you're not my enemy. Praise God. Thank God for that. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Lucifer's name eventually changed to Satan, which simply means an adversary or accuser of the brethren. His job, because again, he's still at God's behest. He's still at God's bidding. His job now is to be the alternative option. You can't have choice without having another option. It's nothing more than God's threshing floor. And it is a tool and an instrument in the hand of God for you and I to truly have free choice and free will. Amen. His fallen angels were transformed into demons. Having formerly dwelled in the holiness and righteousness, Satan has knowledge of both good and evil. 
Therefore, he cleverly makes evil appear as good and good appear as evil. Satan is powerful. I want to help everybody understand that Satan is powerful. Now, I'm not going to lift him up here today, but he is not all powerful. There is a big difference between having some power that God has allotted to you and being all powerful. Satan might be knowledgeable, but he is not omniscient. He's not all knowledgeable. He might uh, be able to work an angle. Amen. He's also not omnipresent. He might be able to be present in one place, but he's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at once. In fact, the Bible says in Job, he, as, as he came before God, when he had it, the Bible, this is powerful. The Bible says when, the, when the, the time when the angel, the sons of God, presented themselves to before the Lord, Satan came also because he has to do God's bidding. Amen. For those that think the devil is, uh, you know, if I were to ask you, what's the opposite of light? You'd say, light, good, God, wrong. God does not have any opposite. For something to be opposite of God, it has to be equal to God. God has no opposite. I want to tell you who the opposite of the devil is. It's you and I. Because the devil's job was to reflect the glory of God. You can study uh, Ezekiel chapter 28 on your own. Um, but he reflected the glory of God. He was not the light. He was a reflection of the light. Amen. Just like the moon is a reflection of the sun. Amen. And guess who now has the job to be a reflection of God's light? Guess who now has the opportunity to be image bearers? It's you and I. This is why the devil fights you so hard and just wants to come against you so hard. He wants to destroy you. He wants you in hell. He doesn't want you saved. He doesn't want you to be like God, to look like God, because you are the antithesis to him. And every time you and I worship God, he hates it. He hates it because it reminds him of what he used to get to do. And it reminds him of what he used to be. But he's fallen. He's cast down. Amen. I want to tell you, we were created in the image and the likeness of God. And we ought to lift up God in praise. And we ought to glorify God. We ought to shine back and reflect back the glory of the Lord. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Amen. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. So the devil is not everywhere at once. Job, he said, I walked around to and fro through the earth. And God said, if you consider my servant Job. Peter said, the devil's like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Here's good news for you. If the devil's fighting me, he can't be fighting you. Praise God for that. But here's the beautiful thing about God being omnipresent is that if God's helping me, he can also help you. Now, we, we understand there's demons, and you can be under attack, amen, and, and that can happen. We can all be under attack and under siege, but I just want to help you here today that some people think the devil's always on them. I want to tell you the devil's got a lot of bigger targets than you and I most of the time. <laughs> He's probably affecting uh, people that have uh, their hand in this world. He's probably uh, going after government leaders because he wants to control them. So that should give you and I a little good news. That the devil can't be in your life and my life at the same time. But God's help can be in my life and your life at the same time. Somebody give him praise. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now, if you were read, to read that, you can go back in your Bible, you will notice that the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not the gospel. That is not a capital G. It's referring, whenever you see the word gods uh, or little g, amen, uh, of course there's no capitalizations in Hebrew and in Greek, but what they're, what they're defining out in the actual word is it's those things that people have declared to be God. So the gods uh, of men, like statues and idols and all of those things, Notice how it talks about Satan, that he is the little G God of this world. That should be his rap name, little G. Praise God. Which means he's not God. You've got to remind yourself every day, he's not God. He's not all-powerful. He doesn't have all knowledge. This is why, let me help somebody here today. He can't read your mind. The, the, the devil cannot read your mind, so stop opening up your mouth. I don't think I'm going to make it. I just, I just don't know. I just don't have faith. And the devil goes, got him. 
Thanks for that information. I didn't know that. Now, he can plant things in your mind, but he only knows what you act upon. He doesn't know all things, so stop giving him ammunition. Praise God. Amen. Well, I could preach on that, but I won't. It's Bible study here tonight. So we understand this. God created his angels. They were created to worship and to serve. They're there to protect, to proclaim God's message on the earth. Now, let me just put something out there. After the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ, angels have never preached the gospel. I just want to put a little plug there. In fact, Paul said it this way, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, then that which we have preached unto you, let them be accursed. So when people, whether it be false religion, say, well, we got another book by an angel, or we had an encounter with an angel, don't listen to them. Because if you follow the scriptures, every time an angel showed up, an angel showed up, uh, if we were to look at Paul, a light shines from heaven, and he's blind. He says, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus whom you persecuted. It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. Not even Jesus was going to preach the gospel after his ascension. He told him, you go find a preacher by the name of Ananias. Amen. Cornelius, Acts chapter 10. Amen, is there, he's praying, and an angel shows up. And the angel does not tell him, repent, be baptized, and fill with the Holy Ghost. No, the angel says, you go find a preacher by the name of Peter. Hallelujah. You follow that all the way through the scriptures. Prove me wrong if you like. But the angels do not preach the gospel. So when we say message, we're not talking about the message. Amen. And so, uh, so when people say, I got a message, I got a message from the angel talking about I got a new gospel from the angel don't listen to people like that amen and that's where if you look at it, every doomsday cult every every cult out there has heard from an angel or claimed to be an angel no you just you just ignore that now you have a war in heaven Lucifer falls with all of his angels he's worshiping God amen I want to tell you there is a lot of unemployment in heaven amen there is room for more worshipers amen Lucifer who was in charge of worship as the glory of God went through him he shined back the glory of God and the Bible says every he all over his body were pipes and tabrets and as uh, this is why uh, it's so important that we have good anointed music because as we praise and worship the Lord amen I want to tell you music is a spiritual thing amen this is why it's important you listen to the right music and you stay off the bad music amen uh, but as we worship the Lord and we are doing what the devil used to do. This is why the music industry is so big. He still wants control of music. Amen. We'll go down. I think we've got, we've got just a little bit of time, amen, to get through this. The word Genesis means beginnings. The Bible says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. When we ask, where does God come from, we are immediately thinking about the wrong God. Because the God of the Bible is not affected by time, space, or or matter. Everybody say time, space, or matter. If he is affected by time, space, or matter, he is not God. Time, space, and matter would have to come into existence at the same instance. If you had matter and no space, where would you put it? If there was matter and space but no time, when would you put it? We cannot have time, space, or matter independently. They have to come into existence at the same time. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Here we go. This is our Bible study. In, the Bible says, in the beginning, there's time, God created the heavens, there's space, and the earth, there's matter. Time, space, and matter. But notice, before all of that, God existed. But now, everything that we see in here that we're about to study God has put all those things. There we have time, space, and matter. Time describes past, present, and future. Space describes breadth, length, height. Matter describes solid, liquid, gas, so on and so forth. All of those were created instantaneously, and the God who created them has to be outside of them, or he's not God. Now, here's the beautiful thing about God. He is not limited by time because he's God. He is not limited by space because he's God. He's not limited by matter because he's God. The God that created the universe is outside of the universe. He is above it. He is beyond it, yet he is in it, and he is through it, but God is not affected by it. When we talk about God, the God that created the heavens and the earth, we're talking about that kind of God. 
The question, where does God come from, is assuming a limited God. The God that we worship is not limited by time, space, or matter. In creation, God spoke the word, and it happened immediately. No long periods of time were required to accomplish his creation. He acted swiftly to create our wonderful world, and God used six days. Amen. Let's go through this real quick. We've got time uh, to do this here today. God takes, took six days to create the world. On the first day, amen, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, it says, and the evening and the morning were the first day. 6 through 8, and the evening and the morning were the second day. 9 through 13, and the evening and the morning were the third day. Verses 14 through 19, and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. And verse 20, verse 23, and the evening and the morning were the fifth day. As we look through the first day, we see that God created light to appear. Light and darkness was divided. Here's a question for you. Where did light come from? There was no sun, moon, or stars yet. Where did light come from? It came from God. This is why in Revelations there's no need of the sun, the moon, or the stars. Because the Bible says the Lamb is the light. Amen. Second day, he, he divided the waters above from the waters below. That will play an important part when we talk about Noah. Amen. The third day, oceans and dry land, plant life. Fourth day, the sun, the moon, and the stars. Fifth day, sea creatures, birds, insects. On the sixth day, cattle, reptile, beasts. And then the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. And then on the seventh day, God rested. Here's a question. How do we know when it's morning? Sunrise. How do we know when it's evening? Sunset. When was the sun created? On the fourth day. What was the purpose of the sun, moon, and stars? You'll find this. To divide the day from the night, to give light, to be a sign and season for days, for years, and for times. Those are little questions, right? So that's on the fourth day God instituted that. This is why we don't get into uh, ignorant debates with people on how old the earth is. Because we don't actually see a, a, a potential 24-hour day until you see the fourth day show up. Amen. So here's a big question. How long were the first four days? We don't know. We don't know. Because we do not have a 24-hour period because there is no sun, moon, and stars for the times, the seasons, the day, the night. Uh, it could have been 24 hours. It could have been 24 billion years. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Where God's silent, we're silent. So don't get into debates with people. Bless God, I believe in the literal 24-hour day. Now listen, God could create everything in less than a millisecond. So I'm not worried about God's power or God's ability. Uh, but God's a lot smarter than us. However he chose to create it, it's totally up to him. This question has been the source of great debate. We don't know the answer for sure because God does not say. This is where we get into the, uh, the realm of faith and speculation. It's okay to speculate, to wonder and suppose. But all we can say certainly is we say what the, we know what the Bible does say. On the sixth day, the Bible says the evening and the morning were the sixth day with so many wonderful and fascinating creatures. Why did God create man? After everything God created, why did he create you? This is the most fundamental. I'm not worried about how old the earth is, but this is the most fundamental, and we're almost done here. This is the most fundamental uh, point of this, of this part of the Bible study. Because people that believe in, uh, in, in macroevolution, again, this is from one species to another, not microevolution from a tadpole to a frog. Macroevolution, where you just came from a single-celled amoeba, and that's why you exist today. People that believe in that. The biggest challenge with that is that now you have no point, no purpose. You are futile. It is You are pointless. There's no reason for you to exist. But when you believe what God says, that God created every single thing, and then he created you and me, that points to the fact that there must be a purpose and a plan from God. So God must have had a specific purpose for us we were made to give god pleasure we were created to give god glory 
The clay was molded in three parts. Amen. We find this, amen, through the scriptures. You can find it uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes. Amen. Man was created spirit, body, and soul. Man's spirit was made to rule his soul. That is his mind, his will, and his emotions. The soul was meant to rule the body. The body is merely a house in which the spirit and the soul dwell. Man is a spirit being made to walk in fellowship with God. The divine purpose for creating man is expressed numerous times throughout the Bible. Revelations chapter 4 and verse 11 explains this purpose. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and they were created. Mankind, that means you, that means me, that means the person on the bar stool right now, was created to give pleasure to God. God made man for his own satisfaction, and he yearns for a close relationship with you and a close relationship with me. And when we go back to the understanding that there is a war in heaven, that Satan has been cast down to earth, we are going to go into this in the next Bible study. We're going to talk about how badly he wants you to be lost. The devil wants you to be lost because you are bringing glory to God. The devil does not want you to be saved. He does not want you to be in church because he knows that you were created to give God glory. You are his replacement and a better one at that. You and I were created in the image and the likeness of God so we could have fellowship with him. Somebody stand and give God praise. Hallelujah. This is why it's so important to get in the Word of God. That is your weapon against the adversary. This is why it's so important, amen, to make sure that you are in church. Because the devil is trying to take you and I out because he sees us as the replacement that we are. And finally, the seventh day, the Bible says God rested from all the work that he had made. Here's a question. Was God tired? Was God worn out? Of course not. God was putting in your... And here's another question. Why did God take six days and a seventh day of rest? Anybody want to throw it out there? What's the purpose of that? Wildest guess. Okay. But why, why did God take so many days to create the world? He's God. He could have done it in an instant. Why did he take time? For our sake. Five days of school, praise God. Five days of work. Well, technically, biblically, it's you work six days and on the seventh day you rest. It's a six-day work week. Praise God. Uh, we ain't ready for that. Praise God. Take that, Brother Diaz. You can have it. Praise God. Here's my personal opinion. God did things in stages to show us, A, about himself, that God does things in stages. Don't get frustrated where you are. God takes his time. We need to be there now. God, who could have created everything faster than you and I can think or blink, took time. But I think it was also for us to let us know it's okay to be in process. If you study these days, and we, we, we could do this in another Bible study, you're going to see all of these days kind of reflect the stages of, of, of salvation. The first day, dark, void, pointless. There's nothingness. There's emptiness. That's what it's like to be lost. And all of a sudden, God moves on that because God's not afraid of your darkness. And God begins to speak and God begins to illuminate. And it lets us know that our walk with God is a process. Amen. So don't get frustrated where you are. But he took that seventh day and he rested. Anybody know why? So we could get a nap. Praise God. He did that to show us the importance of rest. And because every theology that we get goes all the way back to Genesis. The Bible speaks of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the fulfillment of the Sabbath day rest. And the Bible says in, in 
As we know, let me ask you a question. It's a real deep, deep theological question. What happens if you don't sleep for a month? You die. What happened if they did not obey the Sabbath? We'll take them out and stone them to death. They die. What happens if you don't receive the Holy Ghost? You're dead in your trespasses and sins. So God rested on that seventh day. And it was a foreshadowing of the Holy Ghost that he would give to you and I. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you're a powerful God. You're an all-knowing God. Lord, that gives me comfort and hope in the scriptures, Lord, to know that you are Amen. Moving, that you are living, that you are real, that you are before all things, that you're not limited by time, space, or matter. It, it's such a powerful thing to know that we serve a God that is above all, through all, and in all. I thank you, Jesus, that you have already defeated and you've already conquered the things that we're fighting, we're facing, that, God, you are not bound by where we are, but you're already there on the other side of our trials. I want us to come down to this altar. If you want to have a moment to pray, we're going to come and pray that God would continue to speak to us. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, if you don't have the rest, I want to tell you, he rested on the seventh day to let you know, I, I, want, to, I want to rest in you. If you are so stressed out and worn out from life, I want to tell you, you can find rest for your souls in Jesus today. Would you lift up your hands and let's pray all across this building. Maybe you're fighting spiritual things and fighting demonic forces. I want to tell you, God's more powerful than anything you're facing. You can call out to God and he'll give you rest from your fight and give you rest from your adversary. That's it all across this building. Let's pray. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit, Jesus. Thank you that we have a God that's before all things. If you need healing in your body, I want to tell you God's more powerful than the sickness. Would you lift up your hands and begin to pray? If you need a miracle in your life, I want to tell you God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is able to go right where it's hurting. And God can touch you and God can heal you. this building. I want to tell you during this Bible study, the Holy Ghost could have already spoke to you about some things. God wants to shape some things and form some things in your life if you will step out in faith. There's people here today, you need a reward from God. Diligently seek Him and you'll get that reward. Go after God with everything. Pursue God with everything you got. In Jesus' name. Somebody needs to make up their mind tonight. Devil, I'm not turning my back on God. I was created for his pleasure. I was created to worship him. I was created to serve him, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fulfill my purpose.
Lift up your hands all across this building as we worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we love you. We thank you here tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit that we feel. I pray, God, that through these studies, Lord, that we would grow deeper in our relationship with you, that as we walk by faith and walk in faith, that, God, you would, we believe that you will, you will reward those that diligently seek you. And I pray, God, that you would reward your people as, as we walk closer to you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Shake hands, be friendly, love one another. Amen. We'll see you this Sunday at 1.30 or sooner. In Jesus' name, God bless you.